0: I'm Sophie. I'm Yelly. And this is She's All Fat. The podcast for fat positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. This is your reminder that we are on a short and sweet little break, but we'll be back better than ever with a shiny new season of SAF very soon. And in the meantime, we have a few friends to introduce you to. Today's episode is brought to you by a new fat posse podcast called Big Calf. Big Calf is a podcast about being the fat kid. We're so excited for you to listen. Make sure to follow at Big Calf Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's Big Calf.
1: podcast about being the fat kid. I am your host, Amanda Richards, a former fat kid and currently fat adult. And on Big Calf the podcast, we are going to be talking about what it's like to grow up in a body that's different from everyone else's. A body that's fat or chunky or chubby or thick or Rubenesque or portly or rotund or any other word that your middle school gym teacher or your Aunt Linda or some asshole little kid decided to bestow upon you in a crowd and temporarily ruin your life. That shit, like all the other shit that comes with being a fat kid, sticks with you. This podcast is about telling those stories, about finding humor and light and love and healing in them, but also just about them existing because they don't. Twice a month, I'm going to be releasing an interview with a different former fat kid who is now most likely a fat adult, though I wanna say that I will not be exclusively talking to people who are currently fat though that will be the vast majority of my guests. Being a fat kid is its own separate, horrifying, absurd experience, and I want to honor as many of those stories as I can, even if the weight dropped off along the way. That being said, this podcast will entertain zero discussions about transformative weight loss journeys or anything having to do with weight loss as some sort of positive, ugly duckling narrative, even if the former fat kid I'm interviewing is currently a thin person. In this house, we love personal transformation, but don't believe in assigning morality to the number on the scale. Simply put, this is a show for fat people, or former fat kids, who want to be seen and healed and validated and maybe even laugh a little. It's not for anyone who thinks being fat is a curse, though if that sounds like you, maybe you should listen. All of that aside, we will be diving into some triggering and difficult topics, depending on the episode. We'll be discussing eating disorders, bullying, trauma, gender dysphoria, fat phobia, and more. I will do my best to put content and trigger warnings when warranted. And if there's something that you think I should put a trigger warning on and I didn't, hit me up at amanda at bigcalfpodcast.com and let me know. Over the course of these episodes, you are going to be learning a lot about me and a lot about our producer, Allison. So for now, I'm just going to stop talking and we're just going to jump right into our first guest. First and foremost, this episode contains descriptions of disordered eating, so if you're not in that headspace right now, turn this off and go do something nice for yourself. For anyone sticking around, I think this topic is really going to resonate with a lot of you. Today, I'm talking to Lydia Hudgens, who is a photographer in New York City and also a friend who lives in the apartment below me. And uh, you know, a couple months ago, when I started talking to Lydia about being the first guest for this show... I realized something I realized that even though she was a fat kid just like me and we're around the same age um, she experienced something that I never really did growing up which was fat phobia from her own family members I mean I was bullied and criticized for my weight mercilessly in school like horrifically Um, and I was I was bullied and criticized by other kids and by teachers and by parents Um, never by my own family and in fact when I was around five years old I don't remember this but my mom told me this story once when I was around five years old the school nurse like brought me in for a checkup and she told me a bunch of stuff about myself that I then went home and reported to my mom and you know the school nurse had also sent a note home that was like we're concerned for this fat little child (laughs) and my mom was pissed and if I remember correctly she actually went to the school um, to defend my, like, chubby little honor to this school nurse who she found to be absolutely out of line. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying my I was, like, raised perfectly. I'm, like, you know, was raised Catholic in the Rust Belt. Like, I've got trauma, baby. But I just, it really struck me talking to Lydia about what she dealt with from her mom and her grandmother and other members of her family because, for me, bullying and constant awareness and vigilance about my weight was always outside of home. It was always external factors. It was always like magazines and movies and other kids and just stuff I picked up, you know. But when I was home, I was safe in this particular way. But for the first time talking to Lydia, it really it really dawned on me that, you know, many, many fat children have to deal with that constant scrutiny at home, that there is no safe space. When you go outside, everyone is making you feel like shit because you're fat. And when you come home, the people who are supposed to love you the most and protect you and care about you are also making you feel like shit because you're fat. And oftentimes it's not malicious. It's just a product of generation upon generation of trauma and fat phobia being passed down in slightly different forms each and every time. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about fat phobia being passed down like an heirloom and how we potentially, you know, are going to stop it, you know, like a stop that cycle. So I think we have a really interesting conversation and... Um, I said a long time ago that I was going to stop talking and I clearly did not. So for now, I really am going to stop talking. Here's my interview with Lydia. So today I'm here with Lydia Hudgens. She is a Brooklyn based street style and fashion photographer known for her photos of plus size people all over Instagram. Her work's been in vogue and glamour and in style and i know her from living in your basement (laughs) (laughs) we should clarify it's not my basement no it's the downstairs apartment
0: but i like i mean i like the idea of just me existing like a little gremlin in like your basement a little subterranean yeah exactly yeah
1: Yeah, so lydia moved into this what like a month ago less than a month Yeah, yeah yeah like maybe two weeks ago really yeah oh maybe it is i moved in on the 19th feels like it's been an eternity yeah um, I think well when the apartment opened up downstairs it has a yard, I have dogs. Lydia wanted to move to Brooklyn and have a yard for shooting. so it all just kind of like worked out and now we have like a two floor gay. Mega apartment. Mega apartment, yeah. And so it's been pretty cool and also great for our first episode because... I literally live downstairs, so COVID time, it's safe, you know. Welcome to Big Calf, Lydia. Thank you for having me. Yes, I can't think of a better first guest. Today, Lydia is going to be talking about something that I think all, like, former fat kids and current fat adults have uh, probably struggled with in one way or another, which is dealing with, like, fat-phobic comments from relatives um, and, like, the damage they can do. But first, I thought we could, like, chit-chat a little and tell the tell the listeners how um, how we met. We met through InStyle. InStyle um, Magazine, yeah. yes.
0: You uh, brought me on to do the first, at least from what I'm aware
1: of. First ever! Plus Size Street Style Gallery. First ever! It really was. I mean, it sounds crazy because... It feels like nothing... It should have just been... Yeah. It, well, it doesn't feel like anything is new anymore. And yeah. that idea was so obvious. And it didn't exist yet. It really didn't. And so... It was a, well, the fact that it was needed was the, the major thing. Because,
0: like, plus-size bodies weren't just... They weren't getting featured yeah. in galleries.
1: Yeah. I mean, street style photographers get paid by magazines to shoot, like, thin people in, like, couture. And, yeah. you know, I think that just... You know, having... A or t-shirts and denim, depending on... Yeah. If you're skinny... <laughs> yeah, if you're like, skinny, you'll get featured. You don't you even know? have to dress. You can just, like, be skinny and in your t-shirt and jeans. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I think about... That was just, like, two and a half years ago. And that's in Style Magazine, which is pretty, like... I mean, it's not pretty mainstream. It is mainstream. Yeah,
0: totally. And
1: um, just having, you know, that... Like, it's not crazy that it didn't exist because we know that nobody wanted to shoot fat people in street style, but also clothing in a lot of sizes didn't... I couldn't dress the way I dress now five years ago. Oh, no. For like, sure. there was not access.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember, like, um, when, I, when I was, like, at my heaviest, I think the only really options were, like, um, Torrid and Lane Bryant.
1: Woof. Yeah. Woof, woof. Exactly. Mm-mm. So, also, interestingly enough, Allison specketer our producer. Hi. Also, we met at InStyle, so we, did. we all met around the same time at InStyle, and we're all former fat kids. I don't. I mean, I feel like, yeah, we're all gay. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. bisexual, pansexual. I don't know. Are you pan?
0: I feel like I am. I was like, I mean, that's another topic
1: for a different day, <laughs> a different podcast. But yeah, I'm definitely.
0: I fall under the queer, gay spectrum.
1: Yeah, yeah. dude. And Allison and I are gay as hell yeah like super gay yeah yeah just yeah. like the gayest The gayest. you should see it right now actually you should see both lydia and allison right now in black hoodies like are you kidding me yeah my dog also a lesbian is wearing a black hoodie as well my <laughs> small dog um yeah so we all met at in style which is, is is interesting because i always felt like you know in is pretty like conventional and can be very milquetoast it's a very like you know standard grocery store glossy magazine and it's like funny that like the most like white straight cis thing and skinny thing in existence like this like conventional magazine is what brought like fat queer people together to create work which is you know it's, it's just funny anyway we're not here to talk about the industry because guess what lydia is always talking about the industry she's always talking about Street style, and she's always talking about fashion. She's always talking about, you know, plus size issues in this space. But today we're going to talk about something a little different. And that is growing up as a fat kid with relatives that talk mad shit at you about your weight.
0: Yeah, so basically my
1: childhood trauma as a fat kid. So today we will be unpacking (laughs) Lydia's trauma for all of you. Yes. Um, So I think, I, I don't want to assume... But I'm pretty sure, if I had to guess, I'd wager wager, uh, a A fee, a little fee on it. That every single fat person or fat kid, former fat kid or whatever, had a moment when they, for the first time, realized that they were different. And their difference was caused by their weight. And that that was a bad thing. So what was that moment for you? Uh, Mine was when I was very,
0: very young. I was on vacation with my parents and my grandparents. And I feel like... Where were you on vacation? Set the scene I feel like it was probably just like, um, I think it was a campground somewhere, because I used to go camping all the time. Um, Gay. Yeah, very very gay. Looking (laughs) back at it, very gay. Um, And I was in a swimsuit by a pool, and I remember I was maybe between the ages of like six and nine. I don't remember. Were you in
1: a one piece or bikini?
0: I feel like it was probably a one piece, because... You know, a two-piece is pretty scandalous for, like, an adolescent that... Although the comment I I got, also scandalous. But basically, my grandmother looked at my figure and said, you would be so cute. You would have such a cute figure if only you lost 30 pounds. And how did that make you feel in the moment? You remember it, so... I don't... I feel like I probably felt shame about my body, which my grandmother should have felt shame for sexualizing an 8-year-old. In that moment yeah. and talking about my figure, less than me feeling shame about my body. Yeah, can we like just dissociate the word figure from children? Like, yes. Like, your figure, you little five-year-old. Wow. Like looking oh, back yeah. at that, I'm like, that was the weirder comment than yeah. you talking about my like me being too fat. Um but yeah, moving from that, I feel like that was like the biggest thing that really struck me. But like I also like with my grandparents, I was constantly Um, being felted through my grandmother and my grandfather constantly talking about my weight. But a lot of it came from my mom's trauma because my grandparents were constantly telling my mom that she needed to lose weight. And I think through that, you know, residual trauma with my mom having to deal with it, that's when I started to have a lot of structure based around my weight and my body. So I was always going through you know, Jenny Craig, I did Weight Watchers, I went to like the nutritionist at my hospital. I was put on birth control um when I was like whenever I got my period, but they put me on it because they thought that it might control my weight too.
1: So um yeah, I mean it's a lot to unpack, but yeah. And all starting with that day on vacation.
0: Yeah. I feel like that was like and it's funny because my mom doesn't remember it and I've never brought it up to my grandmother and my grandmother now is not in a mental place, unfortunately, because I think that it maybe would have helped, but at the same time I was like, I don't think it would have because she still would constantly make comments about my mom's weight, even when she was lucid. So I feel like I always felt uncomfortable about my weight, even like with my mom, but like mostly just because I was seeing and hearing what my parents, my grandparents were saying to my mom and then my dad would kind of like tell me what was happening with her and, like, the fact that they, like, wouldn't leave her alone. I'm like, A, I am like hey, I do not know if you should be telling your daughter about what's happening in terms of the grandparents. Like, maybe that was part of it as well. It's like, you guys should have that conversation and you guys should talk to my grandparents versus, like, telling your adolescent daughter, like, about the trauma your mom's going through with her own body um, and dealing with that. But, yeah, it was a lot of um, home stuff going to, uh, you know, having Thanksgiving dinners and told I couldn't eat a certain amount or couldn't have... Um, dessert At Thanksgiving or, yeah Thanksgiving Christmas dinner like I was always a grandfather used to like slap my hand away with all the family around the table and tell me I couldn't have any more food
1: I'm sure that you it it, it cultivated a beautiful relationship with food in adulthood oh 100% <laughs> I feel like, I am totally normal about yeah, food. Yeah. I definitely have like <laughs> eating awareness where I feel it's like it's not funny I'm sorry no it's just I like, mean it's It's just so, you can so clearly track, like, how these things get ingrained in your mind and then it, like... I mean it definitely like
0: spurred like later on I had like a fitness addiction I had an eating disorder based around the fitness addiction and like I was eating 1200 calories a day I was like tracking my macros I went deep into it and um I feel like that was like I was being cuz I I had like an addiction around the idea of losing weight so when you have an addiction you spiral and start keeping track of
1: everything which is obviously not healthy Right it's not just the addiction to the fitness it's literally the addiction to the urge to lose weight. Exactly. Because you're constantly being made aware of it all the time by your family members, the people who are supposed... So especially, too, as a little kid, you trust your parents. You trust your grandparents. You're like, these are the people that are, like, guiding my life, and they're keeping me safe. So what they say must be true or somehow.
0: I mean, you know, they... I feel like they were like, oh, they know everything. I should be listening to them. I feel like the one moment where I decided my parents, my grandparents were probably like off the rocker. So I remember I told my grandmother I didn't believe in God and she told me I was going to hell. So since then, I like kind of like spiraled off of that notion. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, there's a lot we don't align on here. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, it's fine. Um, But yeah, it's like I definitely think that like it made a lasting impression on the way like that I kind of associate food and everything else. But, um, you know, it's like, the the eating thing was a big thing for sure
1: so, and your mom was constantly tracking her food,
0: yeah or she was I mean maybe she still does this I don't know but she used to hide candy in her like dresser did and, you like, feel the
1: urge to do that too when you were a kid because of the comments you were getting Um, to hide my food no I would just like not want to eat in front of people yeah yeah you know and that and I'm sure that's like something that's been difficult to deal with like. I know if you like have a lot of like food shame as a kid, like eating in front of people as an adult.
0: Yeah, it's tough. something I've like slowly gotten over, like, or started to. I definitely feel like even if I'm in front of other fat people, I'm like, if I eat more but I'm smaller than the people I'm near, I'm like, do I feel, do I look like I'm eating too much? Like, and it's an internalized thing. I know it's like no one's watching what I'm eating no one cares and that's part of it is like no one gives a shit what you're eating they're focused on themselves and if they do care then that's on them
1: yeah I mean it's so interesting for me to hear this stuff because I for all like the trauma inflicted on me and my like you know like I have boomer parents from the Midwest that are catholic like yeah my shit But no one ever made me or my sister feel... My mom, my dad, we didn't feel weird about food. Probably to the opposite degree where they were like, eat it up. Like my whole family was just like, you know, it it was never... It was never like food was associated with shame or anything like that. And I think that was very lucky. Because like from literally most... 90% of the friends I have, even ones that aren't fat, have like food stuff from childhood. I mean, if you are constantly being like... It, like I, I think there's like this idea that there's like this uh, never ending vigilance on your behavior, your food intake, yeah, your poundage. And when you were a kid, you were on diets. You're put on diets. yeah, you didn't like elect to be on diets. So where do you think your grandmother's like internalized, obviously she's dealing with a lot of internal body shame. and where did that all come from? like what's the what's the story there? Do you think? I mean, I just think it's a very generational
0: thing. It was like, I mean, she didn't go to school. I think she actually graduated. Like, she dropped out of college to marry my grandfather and became a full-time housewife. She hosted, you know, his business dinners and all of that. So there was this idea of the aesthetic perfection that I think was very, like, apparent in that time period. And, like, her job was dealing with her children and continuing that idea of perfection, which to her was definitely, like, a certain appearance, you know?
1: Right. So it was, like... Raise the family and keep your figure. The exactly. figure again, you know, yeah. like back with the... And then she put all that onto your mom who I'm... From what I'm hearing from you, always struggled with her weight. Yeah, for, for, for pretty much. I feel like she probably...
0: Um, when she was like in like college, she was probably a little bit... She was probably like a 12, 14. And then when she got married, that's when she started getting bigger. And then I feel like that's when that sort of like... Um, push came to the, like the idea of losing weight. And so. what is your mom's, re- like growing
1: up, what was your mom's relationship with her body?
0: Um, with when she was a kid?
1: No, no. With you. Like, oh when you yeah. Were
0: I mean, negative. I feel like she was um, constantly like hiding food. Um, she'd hide candy in the house in certain areas, which I always knew where they were. Um, I was like a little fat kid, like, Oh, there's chocolate in here. Um, and I just, I know that she didn't feel great about it because she was constantly being hounded by her mother to lose weight. Um, I mean, they both, I was offered money to lose weight as well, but they definitely offered my mother like vacations. They offered her like, um, they offered to pay for her weight loss surgery at one point. So like she was constantly being reminded that she was too fat. So there's basically no way that
1: she wasn't going to project that onto you.
0: Oh, no. I mean, it had to happen, you know. It's like, for her, I think she was trying to protect me from that same, like, um,
1: society pressure to be a certain size. Right. And there was no conversation happening for her to, like, pick up on, no social media, nothing for her to see, to be like, hey, actually, instead of trying to protect Lydia, I could empower her. Exactly, yeah. I wish that had been the case.
0: You know, if we were going through my period now, I think that, you know, I would probably have that support, even if it wasn't coming directly from my parents. But, like, social media has definitely, like, created that sort of positive community that didn't exist
1: when I was growing up, you know? So it's interesting because, like, in a lot of ways, the work you do is your mom's worst nightmare. But I'm sure seeing her daughter, like kind of legitimize and, and and proudly proclaim fatness herself, and then also make work that's about celebrating different kinds of bodies, that must be like super healing. Yeah, I mean, I've never thought about it in that sense, but I, I guess it would be. It's like, I mean, it's probably kind of
0: horrifying to be like, um, see your daughter who you've always fought against the word fat and had internalized fat phobia be like, hey, I'm fat. And also, I only pretty much shoot fat bodies yeah. and like try to show them in a really like positive way. Yeah, I mean, I would, I've had some conversations with her over the years um, that kind of like, I've kind of helped her see the positive side and not be so negative towards her body. But it's interesting. I think that, um, you know, I've never thought about it in that sense. So
1: I wonder, like, could you talk to her about like, the? Do you, has she ever brought stuff up to you about like, Oh, you call yourself fat. That's like a bad thing for me. Or, like, no, whatever. we've never really had that conversation.
0: I mean, I feel like there's such a level of probably trauma on her end with her
1: parents that it's like kind of hard to have that conversation. Um, I always think like, generationally, the trauma like it does, it in a lot of ways. At least in my family, like whatever you experienced through her was like a hundred times worse for her. You totally. know, so it's like kind of so it, it's kind of like she's coming at it from like a more traumatized place it was just also a different time like there was there was no Lydia Hudgens photography when your mom was like coming on
0: no up. i mean i yeah. feel like uh it's like you know I, I keep saying generationally but i do think that like we have to make note of the fact that social media has played such a huge part of how like the um, fat positive like and fat neutrality and all of that has really come across and like my parents are obviously not on on Instagram yeah you know and that didn't exist and there was only magazines that were like showing like a zero two and a plus size was like a six so like I do think that that has um definitely played a part in it so do you
1: feel like when you are doing your work like shooting fat bodies or asserting yourself as a fat person in the world are you doing is part of you thinking about like eight year old chunky Lydia on Jenny Craig
0: I mean sometimes it's funny just cause like I think about like what I went through as a kid and the comments I got and everything um And, like, looking back at the people that basically, like, really came after me as being, like, a fat child. And it's just interesting because I'm like, well, look what I'm doing now. Everything you hated about
1: me because you had your own internalized fat phobia, I'm out succeeding in. I feel like you and I could talk about, like, so many different facets of, like, being in this kind of body in this world. But, like, going back to the core of this episode, what really, like, strikes me is the fact that you have all this shit. Like, we all have all this shit going on in the world. And then you go home as a child or teen to your safe space, and it's not safe at all. It's not safe from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's got to just be, like, so... Like there's never a fucking break no. from thinking about it. You know what I mean? When I went home, my mom like made me food and I like didn't think about it. I, well, I thought about it, but I thought about like yeah. the bullies at school and I was happy to be away from them. Yeah,
0: I got a few comments at school, but the majority of the trauma that I feel like was centered around my body was at home. That's huge. You know, Mm -hmm. so like it was later in life when it really started to affect me because that's when I recognized that like, you know, and I remember there's been times when I was like sitting in a room with my dad, literally sobbing about my body and how much I hated it. And that I wanted to try to control it somehow. And my dad didn't know what to do or offer me. And he also didn't think there was a problem, you know. So what did he say? I mean, he was just like, I'm here to support you with whatever you want, but like, you're beautiful. And I was like, and I didn't accept it. You know, and there's times too when I remember I was like um had just left my house and I was living alone or with a roommate or something and I remember I used to turn the lights off when I would shower because I didn't want to look at my naked body.
1: And that's all like a direct result of how you were treated by family members and this constant yeah. never-ending awareness of like what you look like and what you should look like. Yeah. Cause it was always funny. Cause it's
0: like, I feel like my friends that were around me after I graduated were always supportive and didn't care. Like if I was bigger or whatever, like it was never a negative thing at all. Um, but it just like spiraled cause it was all internal. Cause I feel like I was continuously hearing feedback from my parents, from what like my mom was going through. Cause I remember she would call me and tell me what was happening with grandma or my dad would tell me and just he was, you know, frustrated because he just was like, I don't want, I, I wish they would stop putting this on your mom. Did anybody, did your parents ever say to your relatives, like, stop, just shut up? I shut mean, up. Like, I, I feel like maybe, again, it's like a generational thing, but like maybe they just felt like they couldn't say that because they were the parents. I think that it's like a very weird my mom has never really spoken back against my, like, grandparents in yeah. that sense. Yeah. I mean, she's probably been, like, I don't want to talk about this, but I don't think she ever was, like, this is not an appropriate topic for you to, like, discuss, you know? And I'm, like, I don't know. And maybe, again, it's just, like, who my mom is as a person. And her mom was very, you know, confrontational, but only when it involved her children. She never spoke back against her husband. So it's, like, I think it's, like, a lot of just, like...
1: A lot of projection and a lot of, like... total. And also, like if your grandmother spent her like whole time parenting your mom and making her feel ashamed then that that would be a lot like cuz she felt confidence. it was her job mm-hmm. to like you know control her children right because that's you know? the thing about this like sort of like generational fat shaming they think they're doing like the lord's work they think they're like oh we are preventing you from a lifetime of hellishness no you've literally just created generational trauma yeah exactly and so like you can have I mean your grandma sounds like your grandma's old and like
0: She's not doing well, yeah. I yeah. feel like she can't see, she can't hear. Um, Good, you know. she won't listen to this thing. Yeah, God. no. <laughs>
1: and if my mom does, you know, sorry, mom. But, I mean, no, it's, I, I you mean, know, it's like... No, I mean, we're not. It's, just, it's facts, you know? Yeah. Like, and I think that it's, like, it's, it's important. Like, I, hearing this story about, like, you know, especially for your mom, I have a lot of compassion because she didn't have a chance to no. build, like, the confidence and see the images we see, the images you make. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she didn't have that. So that's all for as much think about how ingrained it is in us. And we are like a level below yeah. the trauma that she I know I'm we'll be
0: right back with more big calf. And we're back. I remember it was like when I started really getting into like plus size fashion, I was like, be like, mom, do you want me to shop for you? Do you want me to like, let's pick out some cute clothes? I'm like, cause she has that like very like Lane Bryant, like Midwestern sort of mom vibe. The show is not
1: sponsored nor will it be sponsored by Lane Bryant. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is an anti-Lane yeah, Lane Bryant. Yeah. I mean, and she would buy clothing and then if it didn't fit, she wouldn't return it because she felt shame about it not fitting. So she would just keep it in the closet. I'm like, well, why don't you return it? And she would just make an excuse. And I was like, but you purchased this clothing and it's sitting in your closet. Too small? Because it was too small. Yeah, and she didn't... She'd feel guilty about returning it or maybe she felt like she could lose weight to fit into it, which I think a lot of fat people do. Yep. I don't think that's a good idea mm-hmm. ever. Like, you shouldn't have pieces in your wardrobe that don't fit your body at the current time. But I feel like... um yeah, she's never really had a good experience with fashion or expressing herself in that sense. And I've tried multiple times. Like, I remember I used to, like, send her links to things. I tried to send her a Dia box, and she, like, refused it. You know? Not that Dia is, like, above all, like, super stylish, but it was something for her to kind of experiment and get a,
1: you know, different sense of what's out there. So I mean, again, I, I feel like I want to in some ways, For even though, like, the damage she caught co- it's like... It's not directly from like a a certain like level of like maliciousness or no. whatever. And I just have it was her project. Like I want I want your mom and I want women like your mom, all the moms that like did damage on all the people that I'm gonna bring on the show. Maybe I'll even bring one on. Who knows? But like I want them to listen to this and know that like it that can change. And I totally. mean your mom's not dead. No. She's got like plenty of like and like this generation of women, like that this is like, yes, it's for Former fat kids. It's for current fat kids. But it's also for the ones who are so far gone and it's so sad because it's, like, they spent their whole lives hating their bodies. Like, yeah. I, I want people to hear it and, like, be validated by it. Because, it, like, where where your mom is coming from is not a place of spite or anger or, like, shittiness. It's just her own shit for yeah. you. You know what I yeah. mean? But, I mean, that's... And then that's a hard pill to swallow, too. Because it's like, well, you gotta fuck me up, Mom. You put me on Jenny Craig. What the hell? Yeah, like, I mean, and, like... 10 years old I was on Jenny. What Craig was Jenny or Craig?
0: It was like um so Weight Watchers was a points point mm-hmm. system which I did that too but Jenny Craig was Did you have a
1: food scale? What every child wants. Yeah. A food scale. I think
0: I did I did Weight Watchers after I moved out of my
1: house so that was when I was in college. I'm like so. just like I here's the thing about me. I've never done anything like that but if I wanted to do Weight Watchers I couldn't cuz I'm a literal idiot and I can't like add
0: yeah, so that's why I did Jenny Craig because it was way easier. And <laughs> what they were is just, it were just like, like pre portioned, it's pre packaged stuff. All of it was terrible, but it was just easier. It's expensive, too. It was expensive, yeah. And I was like, when I was in college, when I was like, I because I stopped doing it, and then I got into college and I was working at Nordstrom. And I remember I would just, I was like, well, okay, I have to. This Nordstrom. is something, <laughs> yeah. I was a shoe dog. <laughs> ah, Nordstrom yeah. shoe
1: dog, nice, yeah. I worked a lot of retail jobs. Um, That's why you know how to fold. Lydia taught me how to fold. I didn't learn it, but I didn't absorb the industry. I mean, Mary Kondo, too. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm.
0: But I, I, and I like to merchandise, and that's also from um, a lot of retail. So that's a trauma on itself. Does
1: Nordstrom, like, literally call the shoe people shoe dogs? No, it's just, like, an industry term. Oh. (laughs) Shoe dogs. We, like, this, the whole theme of this episode is about, like, comments from asshole relatives. But what I'm sort of like learning and thinking about right now is actually like 90%. Granted, there are plenty of people out there that have fucking asshole moms, fucking asshole grandmas, fucking asshole aunties, uncles, whatever. But in a lot of cases, it's actually not malicious. It's just a projection. And I I have like a lot of compassion for people like your mom who grew up fielding all of that bullshit. And it's an exercise in like understanding and compassion.
0: Totally. It's, I mean, I find that's why, like, I've talked to a few people about, like, their childhood and everything. And I feel like I don't have, like, I feel like I'm, like, a pretty centered adult. I feel like I've gotten here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Possibly. I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting my own. I'm trying, to pretending. Um, But I do think a lot of it is just, like, I have compassion for what they've gone through. So I'm not going to sit here and feel negatively about someone that's dealing with their own shit. Yeah, I can only move past it. Um, I haven't had therapy; probably would be good. But you've never had therapy? uh, No, not really. I used my mom used to make me go to therapy, and then I would skip out and like leave. I would go into the office. My mom would like drop me off,
1: and then I would leave because I um, I think she was hoping that it would help me with my weight. Right. So like, like, oh, okay. So go deep within, look in your inner self, so that you can lose weight. Once again, everything (laughs) goes. Yeah, kind of I was life. like, and I would just literally. Oh, I also remember
0: that is one thing. I remember when I was a kid. Um, speaking of trauma, but like, I my parents signed me up for gymnastics, and I did not want to do it. Nightmares. I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to exercise. I hated the idea of exercising um, from an early age. Wonder why? And I would hide in the bushes outside the gymnastics. <laughs> <Jurassic place.
1: laughs> <laughs> gymnastics is not for the big girls. There's big girls you can do anything but gymnastics no I was like you you. want to put me
0: on a pole and I have to vault it dude I don't want that powder all over
1: me what is that stuff yeah
0: I I became a horse girl instead you know (laughs) yeah I mean there there's definitely gonna
1: have to be episodes of this podcast
0: about sports and me oh I did get a few comments from people being like you're too fat for that pony but other than that (laughs) what yeah they're like you're gonna break that pony's back I'm like the pony is fine we're renaming this episode Lydia Hudgens you're
1: too fat for that pony What? <laughs> that's, that's crazy. So, okay, so, all right, all right. So, here's the thing. And I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you have so much to say, and I noticed you don't really talk about this stuff on your social, and I wonder why. Like, you're you're very, like, vocal, yeah. but you don't talk about yourself and this kind of... And I, I find that, like, I feel like I've gotten to know you more just talking about this stuff and, like, yeah. where you're coming from. And I, I wonder if this is, like, you do that for a reason to kind of, like, protect... That like little Lydia or what? Like what's the I think a lot of I and mean,
0: we kind of had a conversation with Taylor, our friend, about the fact that like I do think like there is sort of the guilt associated with or the internalized guilt of being a small fat and that my voice potentially doesn't have as much weight as someone who's No pun intended. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I do think that maybe that's part of it. I have mentioned that I had a fitness disorder Mm -hmm. and that I had dealt with this a little bit. And maybe part of it is that I don't want to drag my family through the dirt, even though obviously you're doing it now. But um, I have mentioned
1: it here and there, but just never like... I, I think it's cool, though, because I feel like anybody that's, like, a Lydia fan that follows you of your many followers, like, yeah. they can get to know this part. Because I'm sure a lot of them have the same shit. The reason they're looking at your photos is because they've been through similar shit. Yeah. You know? That's like, very true. Um, so, to little Lydia or people like little Lydia, what would you say? Okay, okay. First, let's do current fat kids out there who happen to find this podcast. First of all, sorry for all the swears. Yeah, sorry about it. <laughs> so, just don't
0: listen to it in the same room as your parents. What would you say to a little Lydia? <sighs> um, I would say fight back.
1: Like, like physically?
0: No, not physically. <laughs> don't get in a <laughs> fist fight <laughs> with your parents. But I would say stick up for yourself. I just feel like I um, kind of... And maybe it's still continued. I feel like a lot of times I'm in situations where I just kind of back down really easily. And I think it's because... I was just always told that, like, I needed to change something about myself, and I think that I didn't, and I still don't need to fucking change. Maybe I need to change a few things,
1: but I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing related to your body. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> I'm
0: just, like, life. Um, But I think that, like, yeah, you speak up for yourself, and, like, you know, don't be afraid of having an opinion or at least, like, vocalizing the way you're feeling, or if you're, like, now I do it frequently with my mom. If she says something that I don't agree with, I immediately call her out on it, but obviously I'm 37 and that took me a while but I think that as a child you should have a voice and you should be able to use it as well and I do think that like part of me wishes I was growing up now because I feel like social media has really given a voice to the younger generation which is so like amazing personally like I just I feel like you have such a um there's such a community that you can really like work within and find like Um, other allies now that you can get support from. And I think that I would just try to learn as much as you can about how to vocalize that to your parents or people around you that are fat shaming you or making you feel
1: uncomfortable in your body. Well, Lydia, I thank you for allowing me to come into your kitchen without my dogs for once. And (laughs) also for like, I know that like we are really chill and comfortable talking about these kinds of topics, but I know that regardless, when we're talking about this sort of stuff, it's hard. And so I appreciate you like, Opening up and sharing kind of like deeply personal trauma, you know, and also like, you know, not being afraid to like laugh about it. I think that's really powerful for people. I think that hearing that like can help. Yeah. You know, like, um, and anybody that's listening, if you don't know who Lydia is or you want to learn more, I'll be putting like Instagram handles, websites, whatever in the show notes, um, so thank you for coming.
0: Thanks for having I me. I mean, I
1: guess thank me for coming. Cause I came downstairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming without your dogs because they, my cat
0: hates them. So
1: yeah. yeah. Okay. Everyone. I hope you enjoyed, um, listening to the very first episode of big cap. I hope that those of you who related to what Lydia went through, um, I don't know, found some comfort in what she had to say, found some relatability, found some humor. I don't know. Um, it was a very, like I said in, in, earlier in the show, it, this is a very different experience than what I had growing up. And it really opened my eyes to all the different kinds of battles that fat kids face, not just with the outside world. And I think it's a really, really important topic. And I appreciate um, Lydia so much for being vulnerable because it's even if you talk about being fat for a living, like talking about this shit is not easy. Anyway, before I go, I want to direct everyone to our Patreon, which you can find in the show notes and on our social media. Um, we're going to have a website soon. Everything will be more cohesive. i <laughs> just like a slightly disorganized person. Donations are not required to listen to this show. But, you know, um, if you like what we're doing and you want to help support the work that we are creating, we would be just super grateful um direction to our patreon will be in the show notes and as always i want to thank our producer and editor Allison inspector um she knows how to do all the shit that i don't know how to do so thank god um the music for this podcast was created by jordana felice who is the front person of a very very cute queer band called eithermore which you should check out and the cover art is by my friend taylor smith and we are an all-queer team, and that in the world of podcasting, which is mostly white, cis, and male, um, being an all-queer and fat team is uh, pretty, I don't know, I like it. Do you like it? I really like it. Anyways, like I said before, I want to thank Lydia for being on the show. If you want to follow Lydia on social media, her Instagram is at Lydia Hudgens, that's and. I will be putting all of this in the show notes. You can also follow the podcast. Please actually follow the podcast on Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast where you listen to it. On Instagram, we are at Big Calf Podcast. And you can also follow me, Amanda, at Amanda Cater. And that's it for our first episode. To all of the former and current big calves out there, the next episode is for you. Big Thank you so much to Amanda for letting us share her podcast on
0: our feed. You can follow Amanda at AmandaKateR on Insta and BigCalf at BigCalfPodcast. See you next week. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.